This episode of Left of Field is thanks to Soul Cups, eco-friendly reusable coffee cups and bottles. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello, 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 Left of Field listeners. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are chatting a whole new sport. That's right, we're diving into the world of martial arts. I'm going to be joined by Jack Becker. He's become a household name in the Southeast Asian and Australian MMA fighting scene. Jack has been to Tokyo and competed across Japan and Los Angeles in jiu-jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, and MMA. He's been on a really cool journey, and I got to chat to him about what's propelled him to success and also how the sport's going in general. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Left of Field, Jack. How are you going today? Good, thank you. That's good. Now, you've actually just jumped straight out of a, a sauna. How was that? Bit of recoup. I felt a little bit run down. And the best of my knowledge, apparently, it's pretty good for the immune system. Get a bit of a sweat on. Great. Let us all know, how are you going at the moment with your training? What are you up to currently? I was training in Canada for a little while, and then when all of the COVID sort of stuff came to and then everything was going to be crazy. I came back home and I started training at Scrappy MMA in uh, Willerton, which has been awesome. It's been really cool. Training at, in Canada was really awesome as well. I'll definitely get back there. I'm getting a lot out of my training here right now and training the way that I want to be training and, and I'm improving and everything and I'm looking forward to my next fight whenever that will be. Yeah, no complaints on the side of training right now despite all the COVID happenings. Yeah, COVID was a big shock, I think, for everyone. So in Canada, whereabouts were you and were you in like a training camp over there or what was that situation? Yeah, I was in not so much a training camp for a particular fight. It was just training, just in general, to sort of get away and just find out what needs work. That was essentially the goal and I kind of went away and I did find out what needs work. Could you share with us what you've kind of, you know, come back here and kind of focused on? It's quite general, to be honest. Like, it, I could break it down for you, but it would take a long time mm-hmm. because there was a few things that needed to be fixed. But to be dead honest with you, mainly just fundamentals. I sort of overlooked the fundamentals a little bit, paid the price in some pretty big fights of mine because I sort of thought I was a little bit more ahead of where I was. I found out on a couple of occasions that wasn't the case. So I kind of went back to the drawing board, back to basics, back to fundamentals, and sort of rebuild and tricky thing to do and I'm still in the, in the middle of it. I can feel progress is coming so I'm not complaining at all. It's all just sort of learning and I love the sport so it's, I don't mind it. How often do you train at the moment? What kind of training do you do to prepare yourself for you know an upcoming fight or in general just to stay fit and ready? So training in general for a fight usually you'd get ideally you'd want quite a lot of notice. The more notice the better. Usually you'd be getting six to eight weeks, sometimes more. Like if it's a big fight or if it's a, a fight on a show where you're fighting for a title or something, sometimes you can know like months in advance. In general, for most fights, you'd be getting, for my level where I've been fighting on which shows I'm on, usually about six to eight weeks notice. What kind of training do you do? Are you on the bags? Are you doing a lot of weightlifting? What is required for a fighter? I do a bit of weights. I keep to a bit of a pretty simple strength program that I get helped out with by my strength coach Ant. and then from there I basically just sort of 
it's the cardio is like the one thing, like a bit of cardio conditioning on top of that. And then the rest of it is more just specific training. So sparring, wrestling, and doing those classes and just sort of getting in the rounds that I feel like I need to, to be ready. It's simple, but the volume, the volume is what mainly changes in that six to eight weeks. Yeah, and that's it. Because obviously I know that it ends up taking up, you know, a lot of your life. How often are you training? I think people sort of, people stretch how many hours a day they train and then what intensity and everything. But for me, like I've tried training how other people talk about their training. I've tried training in a lot of different sort of scenarios. But the one thing that I know I can do is I train to what works for me. And when I do that and I don't listen to what other people's training regimes are like and I just do what feels right, I get the most out of myself. So most days, twice a day. And then I usually have a slightly easier midweek session. Still hard, but probably not too hard session. Like maybe a hard session and something light or some recovery stuff at night. And then Saturdays can vary. Whether it's one or two, it can vary. depends on how I'm feeling. And then Sunday... Towards keeping you training and working hard. I don't feel like training has to be grueling all the time. If you don't do your grueling sessions, you never really get a grind and... And when push comes to shove in a fight, you might not quite have the push the other guy's got. But I don't think training has to be painful all the time. So if you find a way to train hard and and work hard and not give up at training, but enjoy it, you sort of tick the right boxes. Like That way your motivation to get to training is to enjoy it. But then while you're enjoying it, you're working hard. And, And there's some scenarios where that's not quite possible, but... There's also some scenarios, that's not what I got the most success out of. I got a lot more out of doing my hard sessions mixed in with some stuff that reminds me that I do love the sport and I do enjoy training and I enjoy training with my friends. So that's another thing, I guess, friends. is Like the people that you train with, they're going to turn out to be a friend somehow. Or like if you're around someone that often, you kind of get pretty close. Like I see the people that I train with more than I see my own family, whether they like it or not. They become part of my family because they're helping me achieve what I sort of set out to achieve. And and whether they're a body that's getting thrown around by me or throwing me around, I appreciate it a lot. So that's another one, I guess. The people that you train with, they can be part of your motivation. And is that what you love most about the sport, the social aspect? What draws you to dedicate yourself to it? What do you love most? There's a lot of things that I love about it, but I think it just sort of, it brings out a side of you didn't know existed and that's pretty interesting to see and it's pretty interesting to feel and it's, it's a funny one to explain really but for you what is that side that it's brought out well i mean like a lot of people see this like i see a fight as this super angry super aggressive thing of emotion which it can be but for me when, when that's how i saw it i wasn't very successful and then when i looked at it from other angles then i sort of realized it's not about hating someone it's not about violence it's just a competitive sport and you can kind of respect the people that you're competing against and you sort of numb out the violence to be honest and focus more on technique then is it the strategy and all of that kind of stuff yeah it's very hard to think clearly when you're angry like as anyone can relate to that if you're super angry it's very hard to make smart decisions so if you get angry and then you get angrier the decisions are only going to be worse so in a fight where, where you're fighting a person on a technical level if they're making smart decisions and you're making angry decisions, they're going to be a step ahead of you the whole time and that's going to, it's going to lead to you 
looking a bit silly and you're not going to be winning that fight. That's sort of my experience with it. So let's take it back to the beginning now. How did you get into martial arts in the first place? The first time I ever trained is a guy that I went to school with that um, that was telling me about how he was doing it. And I was just sort of listening over a while. And then, and then he mentioned the idea of coming along to a session. And I sort of didn't really understand what he was talking about. And I watched a couple of videos and I sort of saw what it was. And it looked a bit crazy to me. And I've sort of always been attracted to stuff that's a bit outside the box. So I was just sort of like... A bit of an adrenaline junkie, would you say? Yeah, somewhat. Something like that. Adrenaline junkie or just just a weird guy, maybe. Nothing wrong with either? uh, Yeah. When something's a bit different, it sort of catches my eye. So I was just sort of like, yeah, cool. Uh, I'll try it. And to be honest, I think on the first session I did, I just had so... I wasn't an unfit person. I wasn't even... I was a decent, sporty person. Nothing amazing or anything, but sort of okay at most. I sort of went to this session and I was just dehydrated from school or something. I didn't drink any water. I didn't even know what was going on at the time, but I thought I was dying. I started to do the warm-up and I just felt so like lightheaded and sick and I was so like embarrassed that I had to sit down and wait. And then I tried to go into the class again and I started to like faint. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, I think I was like 16 or 17, and I'm pretty sure my dad, I had to call my dad and I was like, yeah, I have to go. <laughs> so I just left like after the warm up, and I was just like, from that day, I was just like, fuck that. And that's not where that gets left off. So I went back there the next time I did a bit better. And then 10 years later, a little bit more than 10 years later. Yeah, here I am. Were you playing any other sport as a kid? Were you fit? Was that easy to pick up that kind of side of stuff? Or were you just, you know, this is the first kind of taste you got for competitive sport? No, I played rugby, not at a very high level. I I played rugby for quite a long time. I really loved it. It got to a point where playing rugby and doing mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu, even on a relatively young, fitter person, it just injury-wise, it just wasn't just wasn't manageable for me. Like to do them both well, if you want to play rugby at a good level, and if you want to do mixed martial arts at a good level, unfortunately, I just I don't think the human body is capable of that. So when did you make the decision to focus on mixed martial arts? I think after I had a couple of fights and I felt like I'd got a bit of success and I was like, oh, maybe this is something I can pursue, I sort of made the decision to ease off rugby. Like it was always in the back pocket, like to play socially or to play for fun. But competitively, like the idea of me playing rugby at a high level, that sort of idea just sort of faded as I kind of focused a little bit more into mixed martial arts. And I think part of like that competitiveness of rugby definitely transferred into mixed martial arts in terms of like the physical contact. I wasn't didn't really phase me. I've been pushed around and smashed by people much bigger than me for ten years. So it was also almost refreshing that if someone was going to be doing it to me, it'd be the same size. I was never a big guy, so that sort of transferred and was, was semi helpful in the beginning. Tell me about that first fight, the lead up. How were you feeling, and then how did you go? The first fight, it's a weird feeling. It's a it's a real weird feeling. I I was more like wrestling and jujitsu based, probably more from the rugby. Like I I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't really have a super technical coach to break down the ideas of striking and stand up striking for me. So I sort of a lot of that was just muscle memory, and it wasn't really even educated muscle memory. It was just sort of like 
mainly just to do with getting a person on the floor, like throw a punch, grab a leg, put them on the floor, and then it was sort of my domain of what I understood. So as long as it was on the feet in the first couple of fights, like it was a bit over my head. So when the bell rings and you sort of have to start and you just sort of walk out, touch hands, and then you just start swinging punches, it's a bit of a surreal feeling. Like it's pretty funny, to be honest, because you just sort of look at them and, and the ref just says go, and then you're just thinking, wow, I'm allowed to punch this guy in the face. It's a weird feeling, and it's also a little bit scary thinking this guy can punch me in the face. This guy can kick me in the face. You, you learn to sort of block that out, and then ways to to deal with all of those sort of ideas. It gets less scary. You still get nerves, but I wouldn't say it's a scary feeling after a while. After you've done it, it's more just sort of nerves over over the idea of not winning more that more so than it is being punched or getting hurt. And so, how did you go in your first professional fights? So the first professional fight I had, God, it was in Melbourne. It was the first professional fight, to the best of my knowledge, was in Melbourne. I got flown over there to fight some guy who was doing pretty well on the scene. I, and to the best of my knowledge, they just flew someone who they thought was a bum over to be beaten. So they'd never really heard of me, and I just sort of got offered the opportunity. They offered me a flight to Melbourne and accommodation, all this stuff. And I was like, I looked at the guy and... He, he looked decent, but he also looked beatable in some areas. And the guy that was was helping me out with, as my coach at the time sort of backed me, and and he just said, go for it. And I was just sort of from that moment on, his confidence in me sort of gave it to myself as well. And I was just like, look, you think I can beat him? Then let's go beat him. And then that's what happened. Like I went over there. It was all pretty surreal. It was quite a professional show. It was a bit daunting because I'd never really been in such a big sort of lit up arena before like that in front of I think probably a couple thousand people same sort of thing bell goes you look at the dude and then it was a bit a bit of a haze but I ended up catching that guy in a submission in the first round wow and how did you feel pretty overwhelmed it was a crazy feeling like I felt confident but nervous but after the fight it just sort of like a bit of relief of just sort of all of the hard work that I did paid off and now I can kind of relax it's a bit of a emotional roller coaster fighting people and and the work that you got to put in for it so you see a lot of people when they when they do win it it all sort of hits them at once because they can just kind of relax yeah and so how long had you been doing the sport for at this stage that would have been 2011 so i think that was after two years and so where did your career go from there what did you decide to do next after you know a shock win so from there i that was the last fight that I had out of that gym that I was training at. And then I moved to another gym. With gyms in Perth, it's a, it's a bit of a funny one. Like People talk about loyalty and they talk about the idea of, of staying with one gym forever. But in my eyes and what I've realized now, the fact of the matter is it's, like, it's a young sport and there's not many coaches who have all the answers. You can take a little bit from different people. and But if the coaches and the gym that you're at aren't really willing to keep learning and sort of keep developing. Unfortunately, that that attitude sort of doesn't survive. So if you have a coaching team who are a bit old school and they don't want to learn with you or develop or take your own personal ideas about how you're going to fight on board, then that doesn't really fit in this sport, in my opinion. So that's why I had to move gyms a couple of times. And it's a bit sad doing that because you've got to sort of say bye to training partners for training not so much friends if they're friends they're always going to be my friends so 
in terms of who I was training with, it was a bit sad with a couple of different moves, but I didn't sort of start this sport and, and pursue it for 10 years to please other people, to be honest, to be pretty brutal. I, I did it for me and, and I'll keep doing it for me. Like, I think it's important to be respectful and, and loyal and all those things, but at the end of the day, if, if certain movements aren't going to be helpful for your career moving forward, then you got to make those decisions, and I did, so that's kind of what led me to where I'm at now. Finally, our favourite coffee shops are back open and accepting reusable cups, so why not go with an eco-friendly version and pick Soul Cups? Now, Soul Cups are made out of hand-blown glass. They have a sleek, lightweight design and 100% plastic-free, but also you can put them in the dishwasher and microwave. Now, I love my Soul Cup. I get a lot of compliments on its really cool design and colors. And also the fact that the rubber on the outside keeps my hand cool while keeping my drink super warm. So if you also love protecting the environment, why not treat yourself to a new cup? Or even they have glass water bottles as well. So maybe you get a cool little set together. And our friends at Soul Cup are offering all Left of Field listeners 15% off. So just go to their website. It's in the show notes and you can save big. Why not treat yourself? Because saving the environment while having a really cool product is a win-win. You touched on it there, Perth's MMA scene. It is on the rise, but how do you see it at the moment and how is it compared to other countries? I sort of got a bit of a feel for different coaches here and then I went out in the world and then I met different coaches and I saw different styles of coaching and I saw different relationships that coaches had with with their students and I saw bits and pieces of things that were maybe not as good as what I had, but then I also saw some bits and pieces that I knew I needed and I knew it was important for me. It's different. And it's also like different cultures, like in Japan, the way that they train and teach in Japan is completely different to us. In Canada and the United States, I didn't do a heap of MMA in the United States, but from what I did in Canada, it's similar, but it's not the same. They're closer to the hub of sort of where the sport began. So I guess the information is always going to be starting from there and then getting out to us. But in terms of ability and talent, Going out and then coming back home and training with my friends again and training with different good fighters from Perth, it sort of shows me that in terms of talent, there's not a bigger difference as, as people would assume there would be. It's a good feeling to sort of go away and train with some of the best guys in the world and then come home and, and feel like you're not missing out. Like You can go away and you can pick up little bits of information from great gyms and you can come home and practice and you're not in a worse position than anybody else in terms of improving. Yeah, so you've mentioned that, you know, you reached the world stage and you competed in a nation like Japan where MMA is flourishing. Tell me, how did you get over there and how did you go when you were over there? What made you go to Japan? So the last gym that I was at, Mac One in Osborne Park, that gym had a bit of a relationship with one of the gyms in Japan. And when I was at that gym, one of the UFC fighters, Hatsuhiyoki, came over and he did a bit of a, like a seminar for us. And sort of seeing those techniques coming from a coach and then watching that same guy go and fight in the UFC and do well. and He'd already had a few fights in the UFC, but being able to sort of see someone preach what they can do, that hit home. And and I kind of really wanted to go and train with him again. So someone that's sort of given me time in person and then I've I've got to watch them on the TV. Like, I learned a lot from that. So I sort of always made up my mind. I've been to Japan a couple of times before that as well. But I sort of made up my mind that at some point I would get to Japan and train with him again. 
and I did, and it was awesome. I learned heaps. My level went up quite a lot, I believe, in terms of just knowledge of the sport and technical ability. I sort of matured quite a lot over there. It was just a different way of training, different different types of training partners. Like There was a lot about it that I took a lot from. That was the first time I went there. I think I've been there three times to train with them now. And on the second and third time, I ended up actually fighting while I was there. The first fight I had there, I won. It was a decision, and it was the first decision win that I had. That meant a bit to me because I sort of always just kind of got a bit of a quick win from being good at jiu-jitsu, but I didn't really get to experience what a full fight felt like. So that was the first time I had like a proper fight, a bit of a back and forth for three rounds. That was cool. And then the next fight that I had on my second training camp to Japan was a first round TKO. And then the last fight that I had since I got injured and had a little bit of time off was for a Japanese title against a guy from Korea, uh, quite a good gym in Korea. That went five rounds. I went to the decision, but I didn't win the decision. But still, like, I, I took a lot from the camp. I took a lot from the fight itself. So it was, uh, it was worthwhile. So you have a seven two zero win loss draw. What's next for you now? What are you obviously COVID's you know interrupted your next kind of fight plans, but where can we expect to see you fighting again now that you've come back from injury and you're working hard? Honestly, like a fight's a fight for me. So whatever MMA fight kind of comes up comes my way, I'll have a chat with, with the guys who I'm doing the, the coaching with and, and the guys who are working with me at MMA clinic. Sorry, Scrappy MMA now. They changed names. We'll have a chat and then we'll sort of go forward from there but honestly like just kind of getting back into the into the cage and sort of feeling it out again is my number one goal if COVID stretches out and it's a bit tricky getting opponents into WA because the fight pool of fighters at a higher level in Perth isn't huge so roughly how many are there of you I don't even know but like at lightweight there's a couple guys but then it's how many fights have they had at lightweight are they fighting at lightweight at the moment it's a few things that you got to take into consideration and, and that's why I'm not fighting on the 10th of October where the first fight show will be since COVID. Hopefully the one after if the borders open up and they make it a little bit easier for us to get matches interstate or they can fly me out somewhere and then if that drags on then to be honest I'm looking at fighting kickboxing just to sort of get back in the ring and shake off some of the cobwebs. I don't really believe in ring rust or anything like that but I I think it's just, it's been a little while, so I just kind of, I'm just itching to get back into it and just have one fight, whether it's boxing, kickboxing, whatever, and then sort of get the ball rolling again. Yeah, and what's the ultimate goal? Is it the UFC? Would you like to be competing there? Yeah, I'd love to. I would, the ultimate goal, I guess, would be fighting on the world stage in, in one of the biggest promotions. Like UFC, awesome, yeah, because they're probably the best marketed MMA promotion in the world. There's some other big ones, but would also tick boxes of my sort of goals if I could make it onto 1FC, Bellator, some of the big ones. But yeah, I think at the pinnacle of it all is probably UFC and that'd be awesome to make it onto that, definitely. Do you have a go-to move that you like in the ring? Mm, not particularly, no. I wouldn't say I have a go-to <laughs> move. If anybody asked, they'd probably say throwing elbows from back control, which is a bit of a, a funny one, a bit of a unique one, so... I'll take that for now. <laughs> and uh, obviously it's seen as quite an uh, aggressive sport. What do you think is the biggest misconception about the sport in general? There's a lot. I think if, if you haven't fought someone, if you haven't fought professionally, I wouldn't judge it because what something looks like 
can be different to what something might feel like. So what you think might be just mindless violence might mean a lot to the two people in there, and they might not be thinking violence. They might be thinking how technical it's going. Or There's a bunch of different things that I think could be misconceived with watching fight sports, but the misconception is that it's sort of thugs beating each other up, but thugs don't survive in the sport that we do. Thugs have one or two fights and realize that they actually need to work hard. Technicians kind of survive in this sport. And you can be tough, but unfortunately, there is no thugs that really survive. And I think because it's just the game's evolved too much. If you don't respect all the aspects of the sport, <clears throat> you kind of, you get found out somewhere. So, And the type of people that the sport attracts now is a little bit different than what fight sports used to attract. So I think in that scene as well, you got to sort of think about it because... It's associated with the group of people that don't really even hang around the sport anymore. Obviously, it's a, a full contact sport. Do you think there's any kind of long-term downfalls with that in the future? Do you see any correlation between concussions and depression and all of that? How do you see that? I think more than likely that is true. I think there would be some sort of correlation. Am I worried about it? Not so much. I enjoy what I'm doing at the moment more motivation dodge the punches i suppose with our sport it's not quite as bad as it could be for for boxing and kickboxing still not ideal on the brain but again i guess it comes down to the fighter's choice no one's forcing fighters to go in there and take punches so i don't think anyone needs to be giving them out like the whole i told you so's but i'd like to think that it's not as bad as as it's said but realistically getting punched in the head can't be that good for your brain and I don't know much about it to be honest but in terms of what I'm worried about it's not so much that. So who is Jack Becker away from the cage? What do you like to do outside of it? Pretty simple. (laughs) I don't do heaps. I'm not a huge party guy. Once in a blue moon I'll go out have some drinks. Other than training which is the majority of what I enjoy doing getting coffees, getting food with friends, traveling, and usually my traveling, it comes with training together. Simple stuff, movies, coffees, nice food. When you have to finally give up the sport, what would you like to be doing? I think I'll always stay involved in, in this sport. I like the idea of coaching. For me, like I've, I've still got a lot of time left of me being able to compete. You can compete however long you really want. Like People are fighting until they're 41. I doubt that'll be me, but there's some guys that are just don't stop and it's a technical sport so if you are on the older end of the sport but you still got your technique and you're still sharp you can still do quite well there's no huge rush of me getting into the coaching and, and having people fighting underneath me I'd, I'd rather not be doing that until I'm sort of on the last legs of my career I don't really like the idea of of jumping into that too early I'd rather sort of go out achieve everything that I can and, and then gather all that information and then I'll share it when I'm ready Yeah, so what does success mean to you? I guess I just want to be a more complete, better fighter, always. Like, I wouldn't put making it to the UFC as a, if I didn't make it as a failure. If I still could go to the end of my career and be fighting super well, wherever that is, if I was proud of how I was fighting, I would consider that a success. Realistically, if I was fighting super well and I kept winning, I'd have a good chance. So it's possible. So what's the motto you like to live life by then? I guess the motto that I've sort of always, I guess, lived by without really saying is I've never been the type to, to naturally win everything. 
but I definitely would be the type to, if I didn't win, figure out another way to try to get it next time. Learning from failures, like you can't win them all. Take the lessons you can and, and do better next time. I look forward to seeing you back in the cage. Hopefully we can, you know, maybe get the borders open and bring over a big name and we can get out there and see you do your thing and compete. But it was great hearing your story and finding out exactly what keeps you so motivated because honestly, it sounds like you're very committed to the sport. But good luck in the future and thanks for chatting to us. Awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I will uh, chat to you guys soon. Wow, that was great. And thank you to Jack for taking out the time to speak to me. And thank you to you for listening to another episode of Left of Field. I would now really appreciate it if you could like, subscribe and follow all the Left of Field channels. Also, give me a rating, maybe a five-star rating. That would be amazing. Have a good week and I will be in your ears again next week with another very special guest. Goodbye.